You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to the book of Acts, the historical account written from Dr. Luke, of course inspired by the Holy Spirit, but penned by Dr. Luke, the historical account of the birth of the church. We've been in this series called His Word, His Power, His Church Sends Us on Our Mission. God's Word sends us on our mission. We see that all throughout Scripture. God's power empowers us to be on mission, to successfully do what God has called us to do. I'm always grateful of this truth right here that God never commands us to do anything that He doesn't empower us to be successful. God empowers us to be successful, to be about His mission. His church, we see all throughout Scripture, especially here in the gospel or in the the book of Acts, where God's church sends believers out on mission. We, We send the church collectively as a body. We send you out every single week to your classrooms, to your to your places of business, to your homes, to your neighbors. You are sent out on mission. And from time to time, People are raised up in the church to go into vocational mission or ministries, and we send them out. And from time to time, and I pray that the time gets less and less between the two, that that people are being sent out to go all around the world to spread the gospel. But we are all, every single one of us, whether we are vocational ministers, missionaries, whether you are a missionary in the place of your business, your neighborhood, or in your classroom. You are sent out by the church. God's word, God's power, his church sends us on mission. We are in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is this incredible moment in history where God pours out the Holy Spirit uh, to come to earth uh, full time. Before this, the Holy Spirit would come and He would indwell believers uh, and give them a word to say, a prophet, a word to say, and then He would leave. He would come back and forth. But here in Acts chapter 2, we see the full time outpouring of the Holy Spirit on these first Christians, 120 people uh, up in the upper room. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes on them in a miraculous way, in a way that we can't even really describe. Uh, how it happens. We can't even, we can't understand all uh, that happened, but we see as the, as this group of 120 people, the 12 apostles are a part of that group, uh, as the Holy Spirit comes uh, by, by way of a, a violent, it tells us in Acts chapter 2, the first couple of verses, a violent wind and, 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 and flames of fire like tongues land on each one of them and they, each person in the room has the ability to speak in an unknown language to them. And in Jerusalem, where the upper room is at, there are people from 15 plus different nations, all of them having their own language. They all uh, 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 corporately would know Greek, but they all have their own language. They're in the vicinity of the upper room, and they begin to hear this, this crowd of 120 people begin to praise and honor and speak of the acts of God in languages that was unknown to this Galilean group of people, but was known to the nations that were there. 
God is spreading his word through the power of the Holy Spirit from these first Christians to the nations as they come to visit Jerusalem for this harvest festival. And then something amazing happens. Peter preaches uh, one what's considered the greatest sermon outside of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' sermon. It is the greatest sermon that has ever been preached. Scripture tells us that at the end of his sermon, around 3,000 people came to faith in Christ at that very moment. They were all baptized, and, and day after day after day, for quite some time, <coughs> every single day, the church was being, uh, people were being added to the church. People were coming to faith in Christ, all from this one sermon. Let's, let's look at it. There's um, we're, we're, we're only going to get through verse 21 of his sermon. His sermon goes through verse, verse 41. We're, we don't have all of it. Uh, this isn't a complete transcript of Peter's sermon, but this is the uh, most of it. So let's look, look with me, if you will. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 14. And let's read through 21, and then we will come back. And, and I, I want to make, I just want to make some observations of his sermon this morning. (laughs) Verse 14 says this, Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them, fellow Jews, and all you residents of Jerusalem. Remember, there's there's thousands of people who are visiting Jerusalem. They are there for the harvest festival. And so, Jerusalem has swelled in in its population. So, Peter is preaching to all of them. Listen to what he says. Fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. I love the boldness of of Peter. There was a lot of confusion going on at the time. They're they're hearing this. They're going, wait, this group of people who's speaking in our language, aren't they just Galileans? In other words, aren't aren't they just... Uh, uneducated rural folks from from Galilee, how do they know my language? And how do they know your language and your language? There's there's lots of confusion. They are amazed. They are perplexed about what is going on in that upper room. And a group of people say, no, 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 listen, this isn't nothing to be perplexed about. They're just all drunk. They're just drunk with, with wine. Listen to what Peter says. Let me explain this to you And pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. He turns them to one of the Old Testament minor prophets. Listen to what Joel says. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will will dream dreams. I will even pour out my Spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heavens above and the signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moons to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then... Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Father, I pray that you reveal the truth of this scripture to us. 
Father, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would speak to every single one of us. You would shape and mold us to be be who you have called us to be. God, help us to see these observations and apply them to our life. In your son's precious and holy name, I pray. Amen. The first observation I want you to see is this, that this is the greatest comeback story of all comeback stories, right? Peter stands up among the 11 and with boldness says, hey guys, let me, let me explain to you what is going on. Listen to my words. Pay attention to my words. We all love comeback stories, right? Uh, the sports world is full of comeback stories. Um, every single weekend seems to be an incredible comeback story. There's the great comeback stories, but, but I have a great comeback story. It is almost the greatest comeback story in my own life. When I was 16 years old, it was the first week in September, and I was at the West Texas Fair and Rodeo with three of my buddies, three meatheads, I would like to call them. At the time, they were my best friends, and we were walking down the midway of the West Texas Fair and Rodeo that first week of September. There was four of us, and coming our way was four girls, all looked about the same age as us, and there was one of them that stood out among the other three. And as we were walking up, we were doing what 16-year-old boys and 16-year-old girls do. We began to pick whose was going to be whose. And I remember picking that one, that one right there. And I said, that one is going to be mine. And then she said these magical words. I didn't know her. I didn't didn't think I knew her. And then she said these magical words. Hey, do you remember me? I was so taken back that she was talking to me because that was not a normal thing for me as a 16-year-old boy. And so, so I was so taken back, I was just like, no, I should have said, yes, of course, but I didn't. And because I didn't, one of the meatheads caught her attention. And that first week in September at the West Texas Fair and Rodeo, I started off seeing her with going, that one's going to be mine. But for the rest of the night, she hung out. We all walked together, but she walked with one of the other meatheads the entire night. And for about two weeks, she walked with one of the other meatheads. And I remember thinking, no, no that one was supposed to be mine. And, and, and even, she even talked to me first, like, like what's going on here? Why, why, is this, why has this happened to me? But as I began to hang around her and this other meathead, I began, to, I began to realize that she wasn't all that impressed. Now, I wasn't a Christian, strong Christian at the time, but I was wise enough to know, I was wise enough to pick up her body language. that She was not getting it with this guy. She was just not, not connecting with him. There was just something going on. And so I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I still have my chance. So I began to call her. She began to answer. That was like when it was rotary, right? No, maybe not rotary. It was dollars on it. It wasn't cell phone. And write her at school. And uh, we went out. I thought it was a date, but apparently it wasn't. It was a ride. There's a big difference, right? Like, like I'm thinking date, she's thinking ride, which means when you get to where you're going, you don't hang out, you know. And so, so I lost again, but finally, finally, we became a thing. And that is my greatest comeback story outside of 
my walk with Jesus Christ. We all love comeback stories, right? And here's Peter. This is an incredible comeback story. Peter stood up among the eleven raises his voice, and he proclaims to them. Let me give you a little bit of a timeline. Ten days before this event, Jesus has ascended into heaven. Eleven apostles are standing there watching him. Forty days or fifty days before this event, Peter preaching this message, Jesus is being resurrected out of the tomb and making himself known to the eleven apostles. Just six weeks before this sermon, Jesus is being resurrected from the tomb. But just before that, just a few days before that, do you remember what happened? you remember what Peter is doing? Peter is denying that he even knew Jesus Christ. Just 53 days before Peter stands up and boldly proclaims who Jesus is, Peter is denying that he even knew him. And just a few months before him denying him, he is being rebuked by Jesus. Remember the phrase Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan, for I never knew you. Jesus talking to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for I never knew you. Notice the contrast. You can't can't miss this. Peter in the flesh is rebuking Jesus. Peter in the flesh is denying that he ever knew Jesus. But now, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, his life in submission to the Holy Spirit, is boldly, unapologetically declaring the great work of God, and he preaches the gospel with boldness. Peter is a powerful example of redemption. Peter is a powerful example of restoration. And I wonder if there is anyone here this morning that that you've been a little bit like the the, the pre-crucifixion, the the pre-ascension of Jesus. And you're a little bit like the old Peter who's who's thinking in the flesh, who's thinking with his, his own mind. He's not thinking about the things of Christ. And you've, you have at one time, you, you said that you would follow. You said that you would die for Jesus Christ, but something has happened along the way. I want you to see that you, just like Peter, can have a great comeback story. Fifteen years old, I walked away from the church. I ran from the church. I didn't want anything to do with the church. Great comeback story of my Christian faith was at 22 years old when God radically got a hold of me. And God restored me. God purified me. He cleansed me. And He put me back on the path that He had. Listen, God not only did that for me, He didn't only do that for Peter, He will do that for every single person here this morning. This this sermon, just if you just think about what's going on in, in, in and around the sermon, This is a beautiful story. It's a beautiful picture of redemption and restoration. Peter's life is in total submission to the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Would there be any difference in your life if your life was surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Would there be any difference in your life if your life was surrendered to the Holy Spirit? 
Would your conversations change if your life was surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Would your, would your social media activity change if your life was surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Would your devotion to God's Word be different if your life was surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Would your thoughts be different? Would your time uh, be used differently if you were totally surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Would you view your money differently if you were totally surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Would, would, the, would, would your job, would your family, and the way that we hang on to those things, would, would your social credit, would, would you view all of those, would you hold them would you hold them with looser hands if, if your life was totally surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Listen, Satan is the father of lies. Here's what he wants to tell you. You can't have a comeback story. You've messed up. You've gone too far for Jesus to use you. That's what Satan wants to tell you. Satan wants to tell you that, that no, you can't pray because you have wasted too much time trying to do it your way. He's a father of lies. Peter preaching this message. Oh, may we not rush into the message and miss. This was Peter who denied Jesus. This is Peter who rebuked Jesus. But yet now, filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, listen, the same Holy Spirit that fell on Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit that fell on you the moment you accepted Christ. There's no difference. You don't get less of Him because you're not an apostle. You're just a regular old Joe. You get the same Holy Spirit that Peter received. And just as Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, you can be filled. You can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You are. If you are a Christian, you are. It's not that you can be. You are. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Him. Listen, you can be. The moment you say yes to God, the moment you confess your sins, you repent from those, and you ask Jesus, to save you from your sins and ask Him to come into your life, you receive the full measure of the Holy Spirit. Listen, Satan is the father of lies, and he wants to tell you, as I am preaching, that you can't be used of God. And I am here to tell you, based on the truth of God's Word, you can be used by God. Just as Peter's word, Peter was. Listen, God's Word is the, revolution, the revelation of truth. His Word shows us time and time again, God loves a comeback story. We see that all throughout Scripture. God loves to take what the world says is useless and make it useful for His glory. And here is Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And watch how God uses him. God, Peter is about to bring clarity to, a, to the confusion going on around them. He is about to preach this message. They are so confused. They are so awestruck. And God uses this former rejecter of Jesus, this former denier of Jesus, now acceptor of Jesus, uh, and filled with the Holy Spirit, surrendered to the Holy Spirit. He is now going to use this same person to bring clarity to what's going on around them. Can you imagine trying to bring clarity to that type of situation? 
120 people, 120 people speaking languages that they did not know before. Crowds of people, at least 3,000, probably five, six, seven thousand, 7,000, hearing all of this. And there's just so much clamor in the crowd. And, 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 and somebody needs to bring clarity to that. God's going to use Peter to do it. Let me ask you, how does Peter know what's happening around them? How's Peter, look, look at what he says in verse 16. Verse 14, middle of the way. Fellow Jews and all you residents in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. How, how does Peter even know what's going on? This has never happened before. What's happening at this moment has never happened before. How's Peter going to be able to explain the unexplainable, something that's never happened to him? Look at what he says in verse 15. For the people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. Now, that probably meant something 2,000 years ago. Uh, today doesn't mean that much, right? They're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. What, are you out of your mind to think that somebody would be drinking that early? Um, that happens today. Look at verse 16. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. Here's what Peter does. Peter takes an Old Testament minor prophet, minor not in that he didn't have very important things to say, minor in that he didn't have a lot to say, just in the, in the size of his book. He takes this, this minor prophet, Joel, Joel chapter 2, verse 28, and he quotes Old Testament scripture that is pointing to Jesus. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 32, this is what Peter is doing. Listen, here's, here's the second observation I want you to see. Peter points them to the word of God. This is how he knows what's going on. Peter points them to the Word of God. Listen, the Word of God, write this down. The Word of God brings clarity to our confusion. You ever confused with what's going on in the world? You ever watch the news, read the newspaper, and just go, what is going on? What, what used to be up is now down. What used to be down is now up. What used to be black is now white. What used to be white is now black. I mean, just, it's so confusing. You ever, anything ever go on in your family that just caused you to like scratch your head and like, what is happening? This, this wasn't on my radar. Like, like we were checking all the boxes and it seemed like this would be the result, but this isn't the result of what I thought was going to happen. Listen, the word of God brings clarity to our confusion. This is a group of confused people. And what does Peter do? He points them to the Word of God. Acts chapter 2 verse 6 says they were confused. Acts chapter 2 verse 7 says they were astounded and amazed. Verse 12 of chapter 2 says they were, uh, they were astounded and perplexed. Why? Because they are seeing something they have never seen in their life before. Look at verse 17. Look at what he does. He takes them to the Word of God. He says, and it will be in the last days. Underline that. Highlight that somewhere in your Bible. And it will be in the last days. Here's what's interesting. Watch what he does. He says, this is what, 
And it will be in the last days, says God. Notice what, what Peter is doing. Peter recognizes Joel's message as coming from God. He's quoting Old Testament prophet Joel, but he knows that a prophet is speaking on behalf of God. So he recognizes Joel's letter as God's word. And it will be in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. It's exactly what is happening at that very moment. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. Verse 17 and 18 of our text this morning is being fulfilled right before their very eyes. There is confusion. They are astounded. They are perplexed. And Peter says this, let me explain it to you, and I'll explain it to you by using God's word. This is what God said was going to happen. But notice this. He said it was going to happen in the last days. Verse 19. It's interesting here. Peter points to Joel's letter. He continues. This is prophecy still yet to be fulfilled. Verse 19 through 21. I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You hear what he's doing here? He's saying in the end times, this is what's going to happen. You're seeing it happen before your very eyes. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter is taking a very current situation that's causing a lot of confusion and he's using them to point them to salvation. He's using God's word to reveal the truth, to bring clarity to their confusion. I love it. Peter doesn't give them the opinions of Peter. I love when Peter stands up and he goes, let me explain this to you. Here's what I think is going on. You know, I heard about this one time and this... No, no, let's see. He doesn't give... Peter's opinion. He doesn't give them a top 10 list of pop psychology answers on how to understand this crazy world we live in. He does, Peter doesn't say, listen, the other day I was channel surfing and I found Oprah. And here's what Oprah said about crazy things like this. No, 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 he doesn't do that. He points them to the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God brings clarity to our confusion. And you might say, well, I'm... <laughs> I'm no Peter. I can't do that. I'm no Peter. I can't do that. Um, from the lips of a 10-year-old theologian, can't, never, could. Right? You ever heard that? Can't, never, could. My very first sermon that I preached, this was way before ministry, this surrendering my life to ministry, this was... Um, I hadn't even prayed in the church like in public before. Maybe in Sunday school, I hadn't prayed like I'd passed the offering plate. It was about the most, the, the most active I had been in the sanctuary before. And, um, and why the pastor asked me to do what he was about to ask me, only God knows now. I mean, now, now we know, but only God knew then. But, but I was knelt down talking to this 10-year-old little girl and uh, her dad had passed away a couple of months before this in a, in a tragic car accident. And, um, 
And I was knelt down and I was talking to her, having a conversation with her just about how things were going. And the pastor kneels down and he whispers in my ear. He said, I'm going to be out in two weeks. Would you consider preaching for me in my absence? What? And I said these words, I can't do that. I said it out loud. Like he whispered privately to me. And I said, I can't do that. And that 10-year-old little theologian said, can't, never, could. Turned around and ran off. I preached my first sermon. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 4 was my sermon text. It was awful. (laughs) But I was obedient to what God was calling me to do. You can. Listen, God's word. Not our opinion brings clarity to our confusion. We are not called to go to our neighbors. We're not called to go to our classmates and our co-workers and tell them our opinion to, to help give clarity to their confusion. We are called to open up God's word and say, listen, this is what God's word says. I don't understand it. I, don't, I, might, not even, I might not even like what's happening in your life or in my life. But listen, God's word brings clarity to our confusion. Matthew chapter 10, verse 19 through 20. Listen to what it says. But when they hand you over, this is in the context of persecution. But when they hand you over, don't worry about how or what you are to speak, for you will be given what to say at that hour. In the context of persecution, listen, what are you going to say when someone is persecuting you? This is what God says. Don't don't worry about what you are to speak. Because at the right moment, you will be given the right thing to say. Why? Because it isn't you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father is speaking through you. Do you think Peter is standing up absent of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. Not surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. I don't even know if Peter, I mean, we, we can't prove this in Scripture, but it, I wonder if Peter even knew this Scripture from Joel or if God just gave it to him at that very moment. I've had that happen to me. That God just will, will, will quicken your spirit of a Scripture as you're talking with someone. It's happened time and time and time again. Why? Because in a life that is surrendered to the Holy Spirit and dwelt with the Holy Spirit, it is not you speaking, it is God speaking through you. Here's another example, Exodus chapter 4, verse 10 through 11. God is using Moses to set the Israelites free from the Egyptian slavery. God gives Moses promise after promise, I will do this for you as you, as you lead the people out of slavery. I will do this for you. And he, he, God just shows Moses over and over and over these incredible uh, acts of, uh, of uh, all these incredible miracles. And what does Moses say? I can't. I know I've seen your power already, but, but I can't. Look at what he says, Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. But Moses replied to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, either in the past or recently or since you have been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. I, I'm, I have a stuttering problem. God, I, I can't go deliver your people out of Egyptian slavery. I can't do that. And God has showed him promise after promise after promise after promise. Miracle after miracle after miracle. And listen to what God says to him. Then the Lord said to him, Who placed a mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf? 
seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? What is God saying to him? When you're surrendered to me, you're surrendered to my power, I made your mouth. I can loosen your mouth. I made your mind. I can give you the right words to say. I've given you the muscles. I've given you the endurance. I can infuse those with power. You go on and you read the story and Moses goes, I can't. I can't. But guess what God does? Miraculously still uses Moses to deliver his people from Egyptian slavery. Let me ask you a couple of questions. What if? A couple of what if questions. What if before we solicit the opinions of others around us or the wider social media culture, which you see happening every single day, what if we sought God in prayer and asked Him to reveal His truth to us in His Word? What if when we come to a confusing situation in our life, we come to a confusion situation in our world, in the political world, oh, it's so confusing what's going on. What if, before we sought the opinions of others, we went to God and we humbly just went to God and we prayed and we asked God, God, would you bring clarity to this situation? Will you help me to see how I am to respond to this situation in my family, in my work life, in my school life? Help me to see politically, how am I to respond to this through your, through your word? How am I supposed to see this through the lens of your word? What would happen if we did that? What if we looked at what was happening around us through the lens of Scripture instead of the lens of our own concerns? And what happened to Peter? Peter hears Jesus saying that I'm going to go away and I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be killed, but three days later I'm going to come back. What is Peter thinking about? Peter's only thinking about his, whole, his own concerns. And he rebukes Jesus. He didn't see the gospel story in what Jesus was saying to him. Listen, God's Word brings clarity to our confusion. Just a few months before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this is what's going on in Peter's life. He's not, he's not thinking about God's plans. He's thinking about his own plans. Listen, Mark chapter 8, verse 31 through 33, is this story of Peter being rebuked. I want to read it to you. Mark chapter 8, verse 31 through 33. Then he, he being Jesus, began to teach them, the disciples, that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, be killed and rise after three days. Jesus spoke openly about this. But Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and looking at his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. Why? Because you are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Listen, Peter hears what Jesus is saying, and he doesn't think about it through the lens of the gospel. He thinks about it through his own concerns, and he does the unthinkable. He rebukes Jesus. That's kind of a bad idea, right? Can we all agree that that's a, it is a bad idea to rebuke the Son of God? But because he was so willing to only think about his own concerns, he thought he had the right to rebuke the Son of God. Get behind me, Satan. 
You're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Listen, we will always miss God's great plan for our life when our concerns outweigh God's plans for us. We'll always miss God's great plan if our concerns outweighs God's plan for us. Listen to these next three scriptures and realize how foolish it is for us not to seek the counsel of God. First, first Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. It's the story of, of Samuel choosing the next king, the king of Israel. And they're, 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 he's, he's looking at, at all of Jesse's sons, and, and, and he sees some that look like king-like material, but not, God's not choosing any of them. He's choosing the ruddy old David, the little shepherd boy that's out taking care of the sheep, right? Listen to what God says to Samuel. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance, speaking of David, or his stature, because I have, I'm sorry, speaking of one of Jesse's sons. Do not look at his appearance or his stature, because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees, for the human sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. Listen, I'm telling you, God sees something completely different. He is knowledgeable beyond our understanding. And when we reject his knowledge, oh, we are rejecting the truth of what's happening around us. Luke chapter 16, verse 15. And he told them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the spirit of others, but God knows your heart. For what is highly admired by people is revolting in God's sight. Listen, if you're just thinking about your concerns, if you're just listening to the opinions of others and not looking at it through the lens of Scripture, oh, listen, what's highly admired by people is revolting. In God's sight. Oh, you might, you might get a hundred opinions. All of them agree that this is, what, this is how you are to respond to what's going on in your life. But if God's word is the opposite of the hundred opinions or the thousand opinions, guess what's wrong? The opinions. One more, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 2. All a person's ways seem right to him but the Lord weighs hearts. Listen, it can feel right. It can feel right because we're, we're weighing it against culture. All, all a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs hearts. Oh, may we, may we view our life everything that's happening to us and around us through the lens of Scripture. God's Word brings clarity to our confusion. Listen, before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this was Peter. It seemed more right for him to rebuke Jesus. That's what seemed right to him. Jesus, you don't really know what you're talking about. I, I know better than you. So let me rebuke you. No, no, listen. But now, oh, but now, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, in submission to the Holy Spirit. He's relying on the Word of God. And not only is Peter relying on the Word of God, he is pointing others to the truth of God's Word. Oh, Peter says this. In the end times, God is going to pour out His Spirit on the people. Can I listen? Can I tell you this? They were living in the end times in the first century. And if they were living in the end times in the first century, guess where we're living at? In the really, really end times. 
That's just, that's the truth. Peter says this, quoting Joel, who's speaking on behalf of God. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Listen, you don't have to fear the end times. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to be, have, be anxious about <clears throat> death. You can know what happens to you the moment you die. When you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Everyone. Even Peter who rebuked Jesus. Even Peter who denied Jesus. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You're here this morning. You've never called on the name of the Lord. Will you at this very moment? If you're here this morning, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Will you at this very moment give your life to Jesus? He is worthy. And you go, man, I don't really understand that. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know. I really don't know the scripture. Listen, you don't have to know it all. The Holy Spirit will empower you. He will give you strength to do what he has called you to do. Just say yes to him. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.